The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. Here we are. We're starting a new series, um, and the series is called Being BTC. Being BTC. And it's really about who we are. We want to look at Bromley Town Church, who we are, and not only who we are, but who we're seeking to become, what we want to become. Now, when I talk about church, uh, often we always think of buildings, because church buildings, cathedrals, you identify a church with a building, but the, that's not true. We're talking about the people of God who go to those buildings, the people who enter those buildings, the people who sing in those buildings. It is us Christians, individual people who make up the church, and that's us. And we know that during this pandemic time, it's been difficult. We weren't always able to come to a place to be together. We had to feel joined by being together on a screen. And it's great that we have people being able to join us here through the medium of uh, online and all that sort of stuff, the digital uh, uh, ways of connecting. But it's also great for us to be back gathering together and meeting together and letting the presence of God touch us. So this series, we're going to be looking at who we are and who we're seeking to be. We're going to kick it off today with a verse of Scripture, Ephesians 3, verses 10 to 11. And I'm talking about what is God's intention? We're talking about being BTC, but hang on a second. What is God's intention? Okay, Ephesians 3, verses 10 to 11. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His intent is that working through the church, God's wisdom is to be made known to the powers and principalities, the spiritual realm, so that his purposes, that according to his eternal purposes, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Day of Pentecost, uh, as many people would say, is the birthday of the church. That's when the church started. But you know, up until that point, Jesus had been with his disciples. And it was Jesus, one man, with his group of disciples, one place, touring around one area, basically around Israel. So he's touring around that area. That's Jesus. Pentecost comes... And Jesus says, it's good that I'm going away because I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. Now, it's Jesus, it's God, comes to his people, but not just in one place, in one small area. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon every believer wherever they are. And so now, around the world, the Holy Spirit is bringing the knowledge of God and helping us wherever we are as individuals. Christians in this country, Christians right here in Bromley Town Church, being Bromley Town Church right here, but also those who are in Australia, those who are across Africa, those who are across the Americas, uh, all around the world, the Holy Spirit is meeting and blessing His people. You see, God's intention was that He would have a people who are filled with him. 
right across the globe. That was his intention. A people who obey him. A people who follow his ways. A people who serve him. A people through whom God may show himself. Because that's it. God wants to show himself through his created people, so much so that all of the spiritual realm can see the workings of God through the creation that God has given. That's what he wanted to do. That is what his intention is. It's to actually stun the demons, to stun Satan, to see that there is a creation, God's creation, man and woman on the earth who are following the ways of God. And through them, the life of God is being displayed. So that no longer sin is having dominion, but the power and the life of heaven is flowing here upon the earth. And he wants everybody to see it. He wants the humans to see it. And you know how important it is for us people to actually live out the ways of God? It's because people in the world are desperate for God. It's not that people don't want to know God. They act as though they don't care because they're looking for something that has reality. People are looking for God. And therefore, being BTC, the importance is this, is that we live like those who know Him. And that we love like those who know Him. Because when they find us, people want the reality of heaven. And they want the reality of heaven to flow in us and from us to them so that they can experience him. Because God is good. I know we could go into a whole sermon about, hang on a second, this happened in my life. It doesn't appear that God is good. But you see, his purposes are always good. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows how everything fits together. I mean, it's really difficult. We're praying for Haiti and we're thinking, hang on, how? That's, that's bad at the moment. And it is bad. So we have to pray and intercede that in the midst of this badness, the light of God will shine, that those who are in darkness will be brought into the kingdom of heaven. That transformation will come in that nation. Um, in the New Testament, the word that is translated for church in Greek is ecclesia. Now, you might have heard of that phrase before, and I'm not really worried too much about knowing Greek. That's because I don't know too much about Greek. But I do know this, that that word has two sort of core meanings to it. And the core meanings are this. It means a gathering, okay? So the word ecclesia would have been used for a gathering, but it's not just a gathering. One of the other core threads of it is chosen ones, summoned ones, called ones, So when we're looking at the church, and as Paul uses it for the church in the New Testament, he's talking about this. He's talking about the church being a gathering of the summoned ones, those who have been called out. And the idea of they've been called out of what? They've been called out of the ways of darkness. They've been called out of living and the ways of the world. They've been called out of darkness into the kingdom of light. They've been called to live as people who are in the kingdom of God. That's what they've been called to. They've been called to live. And it's because of that that Paul is saying, he he is intent. His intent was to have this people who are living for his purposes so that his life is so flowing in the earth that people are no longer saying, hey, where is God? They're saying like, hey, I can't always see God, but these people who are called Christians, they're touching my life. I've never been loved like I have from those people. I've never been forgiven like I have with those people. What is it about these people that makes them different? Because it's the life of God that is touching them through the Christians. That is what God's intention was. Okay, let's ask a question. Why was his 
intention necessary? Why is this intention of God necessary? And what I want to look at now is this, the problem of sin. The reason that God has this intention, the reason that it's necessary is because of the problem of sin. Let's go back to the beginning of time. Adam and Eve in a garden, a wonderful garden. Everything's being created by God. God is declaring even after man has been made, this isn't just good, this is very good. God is pleased with his creation. And Adam and Eve are there in the garden and they are experiencing the presence of God daily. They're experiencing his glory. They're completely encompassed within the goodness and the peace and the love of God. It is a great place. And yet, they're free to make their own choices. They're completely free. They're not robots. They're a free people and they're living in that garden. But you know, when you open your Bible and you're reading Genesis, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3 you come to, and I believe Genesis 3 is the saddest book, the saddest chapter, the saddest day of all of history. We know that Adam and Eve had for some time been living according to God's instructions. God had instructed them, Genesis 3, 16, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will die. That's the instruction God had given to them. That's the instruction that they were obeying and living by, and everything was wonderful. But there was this day that I'm talking about that's recorded in Genesis 3, when a serpent appears in the garden and speaks to Eve. The serpent says this, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, we believe that certain serpent to be Satan. And Satan, according to Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, where it talks a little bit about him, we believe that Satan was a guardian cherub. So this guardian cherub was appearing as a serpent in the garden, that he who had been a guardian cherub. Let's just look at a few things that Ezekiel tells us about him. Ezekiel 28 verse 12 says of, of Satan, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Verse 15 of the same chapter, you were blameless in all in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And finally, from Isaiah 14. Verses 13 and 14, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will make myself like the Most High. This one that was created as a, uh, as a cherub in the garden had seen God, had experienced God, had worked alongside God, but was no longer content with serving God and worshiping God. He wanted to be above God. I want to make my throne above the stars of God. I will make myself like the Most High. A pride had risen in his heart. And because of that act of pride, which became sin, he is cast out of heaven. Satan is cast out of heaven. Pride is not just an unfortunate disposition that we may have. It is at the very heart of all sins, and its infection was passed 
to Adam and Eve. Let's just go back to the garden. So we've got the serpent. The serpent is appearing to Eve and questioning her. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Of course, Eve said, no, 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 no. No. We can eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent replies, you will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be open. You will be like God. You will know good and evil. You can hear those things. And you know what? All of this is coming into Eve's mind. And it goes on to say, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, this is in Genesis 3 verse 6, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, you know, you might think like, well, how stupid was she to be fooled by this serpent? But I thought about this this week. Up until that point, Eve, and think of Adam and Eve, had never known evil. They didn't know what it was. There was no evil in the garden. There was only goodness. It was only goodness. That's all they knew. They knew God is good. They knew everything was good. Everything worked out. God was in charge. They had a relationship. They were dependent upon God. Everything was working as it should work. There was perfect harmony. They didn't know what evil was. But suddenly this voice comes. Hang on a second. Are you sure? You're not going to die. You're going to like, have the ability to be like God. And Eve, some, she must be thinking, like, hang on, is, is God holding out on us? Am I missing something here? Whatever, she took the fruit and gave some to her husband. What happened? What happened? Sin happened. Sin happened. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience towards God, it caused the first sin. And the interesting thing you read of in the Bible is the fact that actually sin happened there Sin multiplies, multiplies, multiplies quickly from there. It's only when you get into the next chapter of the book, Genesis 4, that you're reading about two brothers, Cain and Abel, and one of them kills the other. Hang on a second. It's only a couple of chapters earlier when everything is perfect. Sin has entered into the world, and sin causes incredible destruction, and it multiplies. And we know that, and we see it, all around us today. We understand that. Not only sin, but corrupted thinking. You see, Eve had a mind. She had free will. She could make up her mind. And she'd been living freely up until this point. But somehow the serpent had come and started sowing seeds of doubt. And now it's like her thinking is completely turned upside down. Why? Because she knows more than she really ought to. She knows about good and evil. And not only that, there's this desire within inside of her to be independent from God. Corrupted thinking came, and independence is what she wants. You see, hearing from the serpent, you can be like God. Why does she want to change the position that she's in in any way, shape, or form? God is good, and he knows what is best for her. But she perceives that she can become like God. There's almost that thought of like, hang on, I can become as wise and powerful as God is, 
And I will be able to live independently from him. Oh, if only this had never come to pass. Because that issue, the issue of us having corrupted thinking and living independently from God is what corrupts every one of our minds and our hearts here today. We are suffering from these problems today. No, we're not. I know exactly how to think. No, the trouble is our minds get so distorted by the power of sin, by the effects of sin, by living in this world, that we get out of line. That's why we have instructions to lead us in the way of truth. Because our minds don't know what the way of truth is. Hang on, I know what the way of truth is. I was taught by my parents, or I'm learning this from the world. I've I've learned this at school. God's truth. He created us. We were made by him and for him. We belong to him. And he gives the instructions of this is the best way how to live. If we don't know this, we're living according to our minds. And our minds can tell us anything that the world puts into us and we can lose track the results of Eve listening to the serpent were sin corrupted thinking and independence and we have to ask a question well okay that's happened and we understand some of those things happened to us but were there consequences in that garden were there consequences for this and the answer is quite simple yes there were immediate consequences as soon as sin came There was justice to be faced. God's command, his righteous, holy commands were broken. That's what happens. And therefore, there's a punishment to pay. There's justice to be sought out into this situation. You know what it's like so often? We do something wrong, maybe even at work. Not sort of wrong, but you hear those words, oh, I managed to get away with it if you weren't caught or there didn't seem to be any repercussions. That's the phrase that goes, oh, I think I managed to get away with it. I did this, but I think I managed to get away with it. We love to get away with things. But inside, we know that when you've done something wrong, there's a repercussion to that. It makes sense to us. There is a repercussion to every sin that we commit. There's a repercussion. There is justice to be paid. So the consequence of sin is that justice has to be faced. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The one who sins is the one who will die. That's what God has to say about it. The consequences, the wages of sin is death, is what Paul writes in Romans. Justice has to be faced. Death has come. Death comes. You see, you will not surely die was a lie of Satan and a deception of Satan. Okay, she didn't die. Eve didn't die physically at that moment. But from that moment of having eaten that fruit, immortality had switched to mortality. And spiritual death had come upon her. There becomes an alienation from God. That alienation from God is what people who don't know him are suffering from. And the people who do know him are struggling against. Not that he wants to alienate himself from us. God is love and he is for us and wants to know us and wants to draw close to us because he loves us. But the thing is that sin in our lives does keep affecting that relationship. Death had come. Justice was to be faced. And more than that, a terrible force was unleashed. Sin isn't just a phrase, oh, I did something wrong, I sinned. Sin is a power. It is a spiritual power 
and that power of sin and the dreadful corruption of pride was released and unleashed into the lives of men and women. And we feel that. Sometimes it's all kept under control, everything's all alright. But suddenly, the lust of the eyes, the desire for other things, comes up in our hearts and in our minds. The effect of that day, that terrible day, was that mankind becomes separated from God. He was originally in perfect relationship, trusting him, listening to him, obeying him, enjoying him. But now all of that has been broken. Sin has entered the world with all of its horrendous consequences. And Paul describes what results that this has on mankind when he writes to the Ephesians, explaining to them what they were like before they received salvation. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were, uh, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So Paul points out the true situation for every human being that is in the situation of sin. They're dead in their transgressions and sins. They follow the ways and the ruler of this world, the spirit who is now at work. They gratify, they satisfy the cravings of their sinful nature. Paul refers to that as their flesh. They follow the desires and thoughts of their sinful nature. Is it any wonder that Paul writes to the Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. The wrath of God is being revealed to heaven against all this sinfulness and corruption, this godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Being BTC, being God's church means that we need to understand who we are, where we have come from, what we have been saved from. We need to understand what is going on behind the scenes. We need to understand what is coming against us. We need to understand how great God's love was for us, that even though we were dead in our sins, yet he sends Jesus to rescue us from that and to take us out of that position. His intention was... That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the powers and principalities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. His purpose was to show through the church his glory. Now, I'm going to finish just by looking at one example, and this won't take very long. One example of that manifold wisdom that he wants to shine forth through his people across the earth. And he spoke of it when he spoke on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, or what is called the Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, said Jesus, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
And if you greet only your own people, what are you, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Being BTC means that we're called to love in that way, in the way that Jesus asked us to love. That's what we've been called to. Now, I know that's not new news. We, we know that. But equally so, it's not fake news either. This is the instruction that God has given to us. Now, the issue really that we need to bring into the church is that of accountability. There's one thing to be told, hey, I know, yes, we've been told we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to love those. We even need to love our enemies. We've been told that. But let's bring the word accountable to that. Let's hold ourselves accountable to what we've been asked to do. Now we ask that question and we think, well, how are we getting on? And rather than you answer me, let me answer you. It's almost impossible to do this. That's the truth. Have we been living to that? Hey, listen, I, I give it a good try at loving those who are lovely. And you know what? I don't do too badly at that. Loving those who are unlovely, loving my enemies, I fail at that. But what have I been called to? What is the witness of the spiritual realm looking for? Are they looking for me to behave the same way as they do? Or are they looking for me to know the power of God coming into my life so that I'm living beyond what you can live just as a human, but to live in the power of the Holy Spirit who alone enables you to do what you cannot do. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke here briefly and I mentioned the story of that rich young ruler. And that rich young ruler was a guy really in this sort of situation. I'm going to try and live out my life the best way possible. So he's living his life according to the things of God. And he even says to Jesus, hey, how do I get into eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, you need to follow these laws. Do not commit adultery. Do not you know, steal. Do not do this. Do not that. I've done that. And the sense is with us. I've done that. I've managed to achieve that. That's possible. I can love the lovely. It's possible. It's possible. But Jesus didn't say love the lovely. He said, I want you to love your enemies. And like that rich young ruler, Jesus looked at him and said, he's thinking like, it's possible, I can do this. And Jesus says to him, but one thing you lack. And because he was rich, he looked at his riches and said, go and sell everything you have and then come back and follow me. Give it to the poor, come and follow me. Then you will have treasure in heaven. I'll help you to get to the place you want to get to, but you're going to have to do it my way. And it only comes through my power. And of course, that rich young ruler says, I'm not doing that. He didn't even have to think about it. He knew within himself, no, that's that's not not something I'm prepared to do. And you see, that's the same thing for us. When we're being asked to love those who are our enemies, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll forgive them. I've forgiven them. And you say, well, have you forgiven them? You know, you talk that situation through with somebody. They did that to you. That's so horrid. How did you get over it? Well, I've forgiven them now. I don't, it's sort of something in their voice. But I've forgiven them. It's all over. Uh, doesn't sound too much like peace. 
It doesn't sound like that was a, I have forgiven them from the bottom of my heart. My attitude towards them has been transformed. I now love them like anybody else. I am for them. I want the best for them. Usually it means like, I've forgiven them because God told me to. I've done what I've been instructed to do. And you know what? I'm leaving the rest up to God. And if he fries them in hell, well, that's okay. That's honestly... We've got to be honest. One of the problems of the church is that we know the truth, but there's no accountability to it. We don't want to hold each other accountable. Why don't we want to hold each other accountable? Because we would be looking around at a series of failures. What is impossible for man is possible for God. And this is the thing we've got to get hold of. It's not, I can't do it, but I know a man who went to Calvary who can do it for me? Now I've got to find faith in this one. The one who created the heavens and the earth. The only one who has said his intent was to have a group of people who have been corrupted by the spiritual realm. Who have been corrupted by the pride of heaven. Who are walking around still with that pride that has come into them. And yes, they're dealing still with some of the sins that easily beset them. But... They have decided to lay their lives down and to say, I want the Spirit of God in me because it's only He who can transform my life. So if you're saying like, listen, I'm finding it hard to forgive. Hey, I understand that. I understand that completely. There's only one way we can fully forgive. It is when we come into contact with the one who has forgiven us. Everything. What if he was to hold our sins against us? Hey, look, you know, for us. I, I've forgiven most of them, but there's one or two big ones. I can't forgive that. And in, our, in ourselves, we'd probably be looking at Jesus and say, I, I understand why. But that isn't what he says. He came to completely set us free. He came to bring complete freedom. He came to make you a son and a daughter of his who could live by the power of the Holy Spirit. For Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of the living God. Here's the question. How wide is the door open in our lives to let him in? He needs to come into our lives, us as individual people, because we make up his church. And his church is what is supposed to be being declaring his love. Not only to the people of this world, the physical people, but so that the spiritual realm can see. Wow. Here's a people who are acting completely differently. These people are a people who know their God. And they shall do great exploits. Let me just finish with this scripture. John 15 verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we just need to, to hear that and to understand it. And it's not a case of saying, well, I can do nothing. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
what I'm saying is as a church, it's time to come back to him. It's time to come back to the building. It's time to come back to worship together. It's time to come back to the scriptures. It's time to come back to prayer. It's time to come back to his presence. It's time to return to him. That he may rain down his righteousness upon us. And that we might live as those who have been called to live differently. Called the church. Gathering of the called out ones. Called out of the ways of the world. Called to live according to his purposes. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.